as I've been reading the text for this week, sitting with them and praying with them, I have found myself somewhat confused and sometimes frustrated. For where I'm at now, this is kind of normal because I believe that wrestling with the scriptures like Jacob wrestling with God helps us dig in a bit more. Our questions, our lived experiences, and our connections with God's loving presence in the world today may cause us to see new things. So my first point of confusion comes from wondering why Jesus is already born. It's only Advent 4, people. I guess I'm new at this whole preaching the lectionary thing, but isn't Jesus supposed to be born on Christmas according to our long liturgical tradition? And yet, his birth is so subtle in this story that you might even miss it. It's, it's actually sort of a side note to the highly emphasized fact that Joseph is clearly not the biological father of Jesus. Like, the story goes to great lengths to say that Joseph was so dang far from Mary, not even married, didn't even touch her, that her pregnancy had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with him. An angel had to show up just to convince him that it was okay to marry, uh, marry her. Also, he had nothing to do with her even after she was pregnant. And, oh yeah, the baby was born and they named him Jesus. Just a little side note there at the end, and we move on to Herod and Jesus' family fleeing to Egypt. Friends, I am aghast. That little blip at the end is Jesus getting born. As someone living in a body that could potentially birth a child and also being terrified of the immense physicality of that process, I see something huge missing here. <laughs> Luckily, in the Gospel of Luke's version, we hear more of Mary's story and her journey to Jesus' birth. In this Matthew version, though, we hear Joseph's side of the story, showing us that he is a guy who listens to God, with emphasis on the fact that he has no biological relationship to Jesus. Now, it gets even more confusing. Just before this passage, we get a whole genealogy of Jesus. Uh, wait, actually... It is Joseph's long family tree. It starts with Abraham, who is the father of Isaac, uh, who is the father of Jacob, and so on to King David, and more. Finally, this history lands on Joseph, husband of Mary. So we have a whole family history of the guy who is clearly not biologically related to Jesus. Okay, Matthew, what, what are you trying to say here? My second point of confusion comes from reading this text, having lived life in a female body. At, at first glance, I'm excited about this genealogy right before our story because it features some women. Four women. Thank you to the Gospel Matthew for your inclusive inclusion of four whole women in this historic, though mostly patriarchal, list. So let's hear about these women. First, Tamar, who had Judah's children, and her story, hmm, well, uh, actually that's a little bit x-rated, um, so let's try again. 
The next one is Ruth, and she has a great story, super faithful to her mother-in-law and joins the Israelite clan and then works really hard to attract a man to marry her. Also a little sketchy when you get into the details. And what's next? Um, there's the wife of Uriah, and she doesn't even get a name here. So I guess there's only like three and a half women? And, and her story, very X-rated, due to the horrible sins of King David. I am left feeling just sad for these women, who were clearly strong women, but had to make choices for their dignity and survival that involved their bodies in very physical ways. And the final one on the list, Mary, is very vulnerable because of her state of pregnancy. In our story for today, we see that she could be socially shamed. Her marriage could be ruined. She could lose every form of social support for her decision to bear the Christ child into the world. So for me, reading this text, I am left with an uncomfortable sense of embodied social stigma. I picture bodies that do not fit social norms, and I think about bodies that do not have the power to define their lives in many ways. Even though these bodies have taken up power in any way they can to survive. Our bodies today also bear the social stigmas and shames, face limitations drawn by our society and by our physical form. There are social structures that impress on us that we are physically not good enough. Perhaps in a biblical sense, we might call these the powers and principalities. During this Advent season, I found a local podcast called Advent for Every Body that is meant to be a kind of aural advent calendar. I heard about it because a couple Mennonites I know of were featured on their short daily segments, but I was surprised that it was to find that it was produced by the local Trinity Cathedral in Portland. Joanne Gallardo tells her um, part of her story on day 11. She is a conference minister for the Indiana-Michigan Mennonite Conference, and she introduces herself says she is Latina, going by she, her pronouns. She says, I have been at war with my body since I was young, and goes on to describe a difficult relationship with food and weight fluctuation, and her difficulty treating her own body with kindness and grace. Each of these podcasts has a different story. One person describes how anxiety has been a part of her bodily experience. Another episode is about birthing. One person talks about aging bodies and how we approach death. While another person describes how society has caused her to feel social fear because of her sexual orientation and gender identity. And another speaks about how we are taught to disconnect from our bodies. All of these explore questions of what we might learn about God from our differing bodies and how human bodies bear God in the world. I am also reminded of the weekly reflections that Caroline McCarty did for PMC this Advent. She writes about the difficulty of medical crisis, both for her loved ones and for herself. These are big, scary, and very physical things like cancer, surgery, 
and MRI results that look like they are lit up like a Christmas tree. Our bodies are fragile, sometimes in unexpected ways. All of these stories about bodies reflect very specific and personal experiences that are not necessarily things we all have experienced. But I think that we can identify with the feelings of vulnerability, pain, and humanness that these stories express in very physical ways. This week, as I worked on my sermon, I had my own bodily experiences. I got sick during the week and felt lots of frustration with my body for not being able to do what I wanted it to do. And this experience reminded me of how physically different some things feel since after COVID. Getting sick now means taking multiple COVID tests and then still wondering what is the protocol for being around other people. I would have never thought of masking when sick before COVID. Even when I'm not sick, I've noticed that my body has new boundaries. People that I'm with regularly are generally okay to be close to physically, but larger groups of people that I don't see often that meet in smaller spaces sometimes feel uncomfortable in a sort of implicit embodied way. I have read reports that um, about how the experience of COVID may have rewired our brains, the kind of physical human contact that used to help us self-regulate and feel safe may now read to our bodies as a threat. Also, at PMC, we have just finished a book study group with the book Dear White Peacemakers by Oshita Moore. If you're still interested in the book but miss this opportunity, please check in with the Racial Justice Committee. It's an amazing book, and I'm sure we can get you a copy. In the book, Oshida tells story after story about her own and others' experiences of having black bodies in a society and social system that values white supremacy. She narrates the impact this has on herself and others, hoping that the white peacemakers she addresses in the book can grow in their understanding, love, and just action. She notes the work of Resma Menachem and others who describe the historic and present traumas of racial injustice that fall most heavily on what he calls bodies of culture. In our birth story today, we find many vulnerable, fragile bodies just like we experience in our world. You may identify with Mary, the pregnant woman who could have been shamed out of society and the other women in the genealogy who had to deal with a world that gave them very little power even over their own bodies. Or you might be more like Joseph, who has the power to decide when to stick by Mary's side. At first glance, I didn't feel much affinity for Joseph, but after sitting with the story, I recognize that there are many places where I do have the, the power to stand with vulnerable others. Maybe you can identify with both Mary or Joseph, and that may also change depending on the context you find yourself in. What we know about God from this story is that God chose to take human form as the most vulnerable of bodies, a human infant. 
Like every baby entering the world, Jesus relied completely on those around him for survival. And not only was Jesus a baby in the, ways, in the way that all babies are vulnerable, but he came as a baby in occupied territories, a Palestinian Jewish baby under the foot of the Roman Empire. He was vulnerable to the whims of those like Herod, the rule of the empire, and the need of his family to flee to Egypt. The baby Jesus grew up in a refugee family. Matthew tells us that according to scripture, this baby's name shall be Emmanuel. The baby's name is God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us in the most vulnerable of spaces, the most fragile human form. God is with us. In our youth and in our growing pains, in the ways that our bodies change in old age and the physical limitations we run up against, God is with us. In the shame or stigmas we feel in our bodies for being too large or too small, when others cast us out for our sexual orientation or gender identity, God is with us. For the traumas of racial injustice differently felt in different bodies, for the bodily harms of not having a home, whether refugee or houseless or otherwise, yes, God is with us. God has been there, and God is for us. The God who made everything and called it good brought love to us in the form of an infant. And so the light of Christ entered the world. God is with us. And Matthew says that God, Emmanuel, came to save us from all these oppressive structures and sins that keep us hostage to violence and harm, frozen, stuck in the traumas of the past and present. God, longing to restore us to goodness, wholeness, and love, is with us. What response could we possibly have to this immense love entering the world, the Christ light come to us? Well, we know that in the story, Jesus slept. I mean, sorry, Joseph slept. In fact, Joseph actually doesn't do very much in this passage, but I think his simple actions can give us something to learn from. For his first action in the story, he slept. And during his sleep, an angel of God came to him in a dream. He rested and he listened. And sleeping or resting and dreaming are very physical, bodily things. The things our bodies need to keep going. Yet things we often become disconnected from while living in this hyperproductive society. We become disconnected from our bodies and their needs, their pains, joys, and dreams all at the same time. Like the psalmist, we could cry out, Restore us, O God! Let your face shine so that we might be saved. There is a woman called Trisha Hersey who started a website and movement called The Nap Ministry because she posits that rest is resistance. Her definition of rest, anything that connects your mind and body. 
She writes from a racial justice perspective, saying that my rest as a black woman in America suffering from generational exhaustion and racial trauma always was a political refusal and social justice uprising within my body. She says, rest pushes back and disrupts a system that views human bodies as tools for production and labor. It is a counter narrative. While this grew out of a black liberation perspective, she says that these ideas are meant for everyone and for larger societal healing. When we reconnect and rest, when we restore our bodies, we can also, like Joseph, listen. In this season of hustle and bustle, we can listen to the things our bodies are telling us and try to follow. Perhaps in all of that, we might hear the voice of God. Perhaps through our pains and shames, we will hear God calling us beloved and believe it. And then if we share this love, we might bear God into this world. In introducing this Advent for Everybody podcast, Cathedral Dean Nathan LaRud describes one of the ways that embodiment is important for him, saying that I think a lot of spiritual practice is about centering in, into my body. In this resting, this centering and listening, we might all learn different things about ourselves and God. You might find that you need more rest to hear God, or you might find that your body is ready for joy and celebration. You might be longing for connection and fellowship with family, with this PMC family that we call the body of Christ. Or, like Joseph, you may be assured that you do not need to be afraid. And you may be called to stick with someone who is more vulnerable than you. That brings me to the final action that Jesus took in the story. He claimed his family. He named Jesus. After sleeping and listening to God in a dream, he claimed Mary and Jesus as his physical family. And they became part of the family tree to be listed with Joseph. Joseph's genealogy became the genealogy of Jesus. Even though, as Matthew makes very clear, Joseph had nothing to do biologically with Jesus. Jesus was adopted in, grafted in, just like we all can be part of the beloved family of God. This is our chosen family. Joseph saw God in his world. He saw God's great love and chose to be a part of God's family. Like Joseph, when God calls, we do not have to be afraid. There is space in God's family for all of us, for every body. And we can be that family for each other as the body of Christ. So that's what I've got for this fourth Sunday of Advent. Rest, listen, and claim your family. Wherever you find yourself, May the Christ light shine in you and through you this Christmas season.